If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I'd invite you to turn to Luke chapter 19, Luke 19. And the theme that we have heard mentioned for our D-Now weekend was living hope. And this morning, I want to try to capture that idea and summarize that idea by looking at a person, a very specific person who found the living hope. Someone who didn't know it a few hours before, but only had some curiosity. And before the day ends, he has the hope that is eternal and living. I'm referring to one of the original tree huggers. Are, are you familiar with the term tree hugger? I was in Eugene, Oregon last week. That is the capital of tree huggers. The Pacific Northwest is full of tree huggers. You may not have heard the phrase, but you know what I mean. Lots of plaid, lots of mountain hiking and boots, and they all have big, big dogs on big, big chains, and they take them out on the trails, and they're just kind of in tune with the environment and in tune with the, the trees and the dirt. Now, I had an experience Thursday night here in Kentucky with an FFA meeting. That's a different kind of tree hugger. FFA here in Kentucky, agriculture, farmlands, making sure, you know, the blue corduroy folks. Y'all know the FFA folks. Well, in the Pacific Northwest, they're referred to as tree huggers. And man, they do all kinds of crazy things. They will go off the grid, grow beards bigger than Jacob's. They will have these things they value the most, like farm-to-table restaurants and locally sourced food. And they want to make sure that everything is whole and full of grains and no preservatives and none of those things that make food taste good. <laughs> we sometimes refer to them as granolas because they eat an enormous amount of granola. Tree huggers. And the original version of the tree hugger was a little different. About 50, 60 years ago, when this phrase became popular, it was because many of the forests of the Pacific Northwest were in threat of being eliminated through deforestation. And some of the more radical tree huggers would actually go out into the woods and chain themselves to trees. Can you imagine? Here in Kentucky, that's not something you would see every day. But they would go out and they would literally take large chains and wrap around their bodies and they would hug the tree, preventing a logger or some company from cutting the tree down. They were tree huggers and sometimes they would band together with other individuals, locking arms and become a surrounded protection for those trees. I mean, we look at them and think, man, are you willing to really lay down your life for a tree? Well, they were. And that concept of being willing to do whatever it takes to save a tree, to save something that's living, to save something that's been in the earth for many, many years is the rally cry of the tree hugger. It's the rally cry of these individuals. But this morning, I want to try to take that idea and point to another who hugs a tree. 
He doesn't chain himself to it, but he climbs into one. And what he discovers and what he learns isn't about saving a tree. It's about saving his own life. About learning what it means for someone else who will hang on a tree so that his life could be saved forever. Luke chapter 19, I begin reading in verse 1. And this is a familiar passage to many. So let's hear it with fresh ears and a fresh heart. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We have Jesus entering Jericho. We have Jesus moving ever more closely to the cross. If you just move a few verses into Luke chapter 19, you're going to see that Jesus is going to enter Jerusalem in less than a week. That's going to begin the triumphal entry or what we know as Passion Week, Holy Week, the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's just days away from the cross. But as he goes through Jericho, he has an appointment with a man who is known to the community as Zacchaeus. He has an appointment with someone who he needs to seek out. Someone that needs to be saved. Jesus comes into town and behold, there is a crowd that begins to form. You see, at this point in Jesus' earthly ministry, now three, three and a half years has gone by. He is known in the surrounding areas as a great preacher and a miracle doer and someone that has the hope of being the Messiah and the Christ. And so everywhere he goes, crowds begin to form. People begin to line the streets. Folks who need miraculous healings are brought before him. His popularity is ever and ever gathering. But a man by the name of Zacchaeus has a little trouble seeing Jesus in all of this crowd. Scripture says that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector, that he was rich, that he is in the shadows of the community, that while the crowd is gathering, he wants to be in the midst of it, but man, there's some problems. They are tall and he is not. Any of you have the problem that Zacchaeus has and that I have called height averse? 
That's the politically correct terminology. I am height deficit. I am height reduced. I can't bear the thought to say it, but I am at 5'7 with better shoes, maybe 5'8. I am the word short. Any of you suffer the same condition that I suffer? All right. Short people, unite. We are comfortable and welcome here. He's short. He can't see over a crowd. Now, the scripture doesn't say his exact height, but you can imagine if everybody in that community is 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot, he's probably 5'2", 5'3", and he could get in the line, but he'd have to do this or get on his tippy toes. Uh, last week, I, I, I was preaching at a church and apparently the previous pastor also had height aversion problems. And they had built a pulpit that was tiny, so that he wouldn't look so short behind it. Valley Creek, I could use a little help here, please. <laughs> Needs like a music stand that I can adjust it down to feel a little bit more comfortable behind a pulpit. He was height averse. He had a problem. He was short. He, but he wanted to see who Jesus was. The NIV translation just names it just like that. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. Now, don't take too much into this other than to, to think about what have you had to overcome in order to see who Jesus was? You know, there's something that we all must do. We all have things we have to overcome, things we have to step above in order to see who Jesus is. Some of us have grown up in families where that really, Jesus wasn't really part of it. That was my story. While my family wasn't angry against God or upset with the church, we just really didn't do the Jesus thing. Others have to overcome some sorrow and pain. Some of us have difficulties where we think, it, it's not for me. I've done too many things wrong or I've made too many mistakes or I've got too long of a past. We have to overcome some things to seek Jesus out. He has to seek Jesus out. He has to rise above where he is in order to see who Jesus was. He might be short in stature, but he's interested in Jesus. And so what does this short man do? He finds a tall tree. Ha <laughs> ha, he's a smart fella. Now, several years ago, I had the great joy to travel to Jericho, part of one of our Campbellsville University School of Theology Holy Land tours. And I actually took a picture of a sycamore tree from Jericho, knowing at some point I needed to preach this sermon. Here's the picture. Let's take a look. Now, I guarantee you that is not the tree Zacchaeus climbed. That is a tourist trap. They know all these people come and want to take a picture and see what it looks like. But you can see what a mature, pretty large sycamore tree looks like. You can see the branches and the leaves. And again, this is in a park. This is in a tourist trap. This is places that people come just to do one thing and take a picture. But you can see how he could climb into those branches and climb into those, uh, those uh, up that tree and find a place he could find a way to see Jesus. He could find a way to see Jesus coming. He had a mission to see what all this Jesus was about. 
So I wonder if today you might be seeking Jesus. You might be finding a way through a D-Now weekend or through this church or through your friendships with other believers. You're seeking out who Jesus is. Every one of us start out seeking to know who Jesus is. And I would encourage you today, keep seeking. Keep studying. If you have never heard about who Jesus is, let me try to summarize in in just as short as I can who he is. The scripture says that Jesus was foretold thousands of years before he came. That God promised to send a Messiah, the Christ, the deliverer, the promised one. And that he would come in the most miraculous of ways that even though he was God himself, he would come in human flesh. That he would come in human form. And that he would come and bring about a new era in human history. That Jesus would be able to do miraculous things. That he would be able to come and know people's thoughts without them saying a word and do miraculous things like bringing lame people back to walk and blind to see and he could walk on water and calm storms that he could even raise dead people to life that the scripture foretold that he would one day be crucified himself on a tree that by his death all who believed in him would not experience death eternally but could have life eternally that's who Jesus is and that's what he came to do and if you have not been familiarized or don't know all about him I encourage you to read about him in Matthew Mark Luke and John the first four books of the New Testament maybe even beyond that talk to people who know him already there's an enormous number of men and women and young people in this congregation who know Jesus and I encourage you to seek him through them Zacchaeus was seeking him He climbed into a tree to see what Jesus was all about. Well, let me get to the good part. A short man climbed a tall tree, which resulted in an open house. An open house. Jesus saw him. The crowd's coming. Zacchaeus doesn't think anything about this Jesus other than he wants to see him. He doesn't think there's going to be a meeting that evening in his house. He doesn't even think Jesus is going to see him up in the tree. But Jesus, among all the folks of Jericho, points him out, comes directly to that tree, comes directly to the base of that beautiful sycamore. And he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. I'm coming to your house right this moment. Come on down. We got a place to go. We have dinner to receive. And Zacchaeus comes out of the, house, uh, the tree. And it says in the scripture that he receives him joyfully. That he receives Jesus. That the relationship then is forming. And this is how it happens, young people. Those of you who are possibly seeking Jesus. The way we come to faith, the way we come to belief, is it begins with us learning something about who we are and learning about who Jesus is. And then there will come this moment, come this occasion where he calls us out. He sees us one at a time and he draws us unto himself. And by faith... And by belief, we receive him. 
Now, this sounds super spiritual and maybe a little mystical. And how does it all work in the A, B, C, D, E, and F, the line? But I'm telling you, this is how it works. He draws us. We seek. He draws us. And then we have to receive. I believe firmly that people can turn their back on Jesus who draws them in. I believe people are granted a choice to believe or not to believe. Just as we heard a few weeks ago of the rich young ruler, a man who had a choice and he chose to turn away. I believe we're given this opportunity to either receive Jesus or to deny Jesus. To accept him or to reject him. To walk with him or to walk away from him. But Zacchaeus was willing to receive him. Uh, Many years ago, one of my heroes in the faith was a man by the name of C.S. Lewis. He's kind of a, a known author of the amazing books called The Chronicles of Narnia, but he wrote many other things as well. For the vast majority of his life, he was an atheist, a hardened atheist, He was a professor at a university uh, in England called Oxford and he taught literary criticism. That's like super hard English class. And because of his rigid academics and his rigid training, he just didn't believe in anything. Just zero belief. But he had a buddy, he had a friend who on occasion they would go and, and have a drink at the pub together. That's what you do in England apparently. But his friend was named J.R. Tolkien, who wrote the series, The Lord of the Rings, and also The Hobbit. And Tolkien was a follower of Jesus. And over the years, he had just been telling his friend, C.S. Lewis, about Jesus and about his faith and about what Jesus meant to him. But Lewis had no interest in it. He actually pressed it further and further away until he began to actually take into account what the Bible said and what Jesus had said about himself. And he tells this story in his autobiography. It's one of my favorite conversion stories in all of Christian history. Uh, he, never, he didn't marry until later, later in his life. And so most of his life, he lived with his older brother, two bachelors, brothers living together, and they were both professors. Well, one day, they decided to go to the local zoo in their town. I mean, that's what apparently 60-year-old bachelors do that are brothers. Spend the afternoon at the zoo together. (laughs) But they're going to the zoo. Like, just go check out the animals. And his brother had one of those motorcycles that had a sidecar. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A little side compartment. His big brother is going to drive the motorcycle and CS is going to actually ride in the sidecar. And he says it this way. He said, we left the house, or I left the house, an atheist. I was a Christian by the time I got to the zoo. How long was the ride? I mean, and then he goes on to say this. Faith came to me. Faith came to me. He had heard about Jesus, but up until that point, he had been not seeking, not even willing But on the ride from his house to the zoo, somehow faith came. And he believed. I mean, leaves the house an atheist, arrives at the zoo a Christian. 
faith came. And it's, a, it's sometimes a surprise. It's sometimes an awakening. It's sometimes something that happens in the heart. It's sometimes it's something that, that you don't really expect to happen. I don't think Zacchaeus woke up that morning, woke up that day, climbed up in that tree and had any anticipation that by the evening he was going to be a follower of Jesus. But Jesus came to him and he received Jesus and he believed Sometimes we make it so complicated. We make it so difficult. We make it this step and this step and this step. But brothers and sisters, men and women, let me tell you, when Jesus seeks you out and you receive him, you are born again. You are transformed from the instant that you believe. When faith comes and repentance comes and belief comes, you who were once dead in your sin and transgressions are made alive in Christ. You were born again. You are made new. Hallelujah. Zacchaeus received him. There was an open house that resulted in a changed heart. I'd like to invite the praise team to come and join me. As I want to close on this. His heart is so changed in a matter of hours, in a matter of minutes maybe, in this experience with Jesus who he's seen from the tree, now he's in Jesus, is in Zacchaeus' home, and there is something that's just transpiring, something that's taking place. Zacchaeus is going through a complete revolution in his life. The scripture says in verse eight that Zacchaeus stands up with Jesus there and he says, Lord, behold, the half of the goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He is making right things that he has historically done wrong. He's becoming charitable and generous and kind. He's wealthy and he's ready to Give some of that away. He's saying if he has done anybody wrong, if he has done anybody unfair, he's going to make it right. And he's even going to return it with extra at the end. I mean, Zacchaeus began that morning as a little rich man. By the end of that day, Zacchaeus is a sinner saved by grace. And a transformed, generous, honest believer. What a day. What a day Jesus can do in our lives. And that's what Jesus says in verse 9. He says, today, this very day, this very moment, salvation has come to this house. Since this man is also a son of Abraham. There has been a newness, a revival, a transformation in the life of this man and in this house. And listen, verse 10, Jesus saying about himself, for the son of man, that's Jesus, has come to seek and to save the lost. The purpose and the mission that Jesus has on this earth is to seek out those who are lost and to save those who are lost. And what does it mean to be lost? It simply means to be away from God, apart from Christ, separated from the things of God, separated by our own sin and our own rebellion and our own deeds. We can be separated, but then through Jesus, as he sees us and calls us and we receive him, we who were once lost are found. We who were once dead are made alive. You see, a short man found a tall tree, resulted in an open house, 
and most importantly, a changed heart. I wonder if this weekend or even this morning, some of you are seeking Jesus. Maybe this morning you are ready to receive him by faith and by trust. Maybe this morning there's been a change in your life and you want to proclaim that and declare that and share it publicly. I invite you to bow your heads with me as we say a word of prayer. Just a moment, I'll be here in the front. Others will be as well. If you need to ask Jesus to come into your life and to change your heart and to make you new, I invite you to come. If possibly you have been seeking other things, seeking things that are apart from God and you just want to come and repent and confess and ask God to refocus and redirect your heart and life. This altar is always open. If there are some who need to come and make public that which has happened in your heart privately and you just want to let others know what Jesus has done for you and in your life and you want to tell that publicly before this faith family, I invite you to come. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day and for this weekend. And I pray if there be any decisions that need to be made at this time, we would respond appropriately. For those that are seeking you for the first time, give them boldness to seek you with faith. For those that are seeking other things, I pray that they would lay those down and seek you first. For others that have sought you and have been received, you have received them into your life and they into yours. I pray, God, that you would call them to give this public declaration of something that's happened in their life. Whatever we need to do now, God, I pray we would respond in Jesus' name.